0: Uh, We are cruising right along in our series, Honest with God, looking at some of the psalms and some of the, the powerful truth and wisdom that is in them, and also the honesty and the transparency that we are allowed to have before our awesome God. One of the most painful emotions expressed in the book of Psalms is that of abandonment, loneliness. The psalmist felt the emotions of fear, of anger, uh, being in desperate need, he felt the, uh, the feelings of, of uh, being at, at, at his wit's end at times. But beyond all of those, his lowest point seems to come in Psalm 142 as he talks about his loneliness. He was faint-hearted, he was fearful, he was in desperate need. He was being pursued, and he was alone. He is in the midst of a great emergency, and he feels all alone in the battle. In the midst of his loneliness, he turns to the only friend he has, God himself. You ever been there? Maybe for some of you, you feel like you're there right now. That life is coming at you and throwing things at you right and left and you are doing the best that you can to try to tread water and keep your head uh, above the surface. But you feel like at times that you're all alone in the battle. You look to your left and you look to your right and, and there doesn't seem to be anyone there. The psalmist voices his appeal. He makes his complaint. He states his petition and he closes with a note of confidence. Here's the thing, being real with God shows that he is real to you. When you are real and you are transparent before your holy God and you pour out your truest emotions, you're honest with God about how you're feeling and you don't try to mask the pain and you don't try to be someone you're not and you use your real voice and you talk to God as if you could see him with your physical eyes. What you are saying to God and to yourself is that God is real, and you know He is real, and He's very real in your life. You want to follow along? uh, Psalm 142. We'll look at all seven verses uh, today. The first four verses say, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before Him. Before Him I tell my trouble." When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I want you to know that no matter how alone you may feel, you can do a quick head count and come up with zero, but I want you to know that you are never truly ever alone doesn't matter how far away you are, how high you go, how low you sink, how dark it is all around you, you are never alone. Psalm 149 says that if I go, you know, to the other side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. If I I am in complete darkness, the darkness will be as light to you because David knows that God sees all and that wherever you go, there God is. (laughs) You feel alone in the hospital room, God is there. You feel alone sitting in the office or the conference room at the funeral home making arrangements for a loved one who's left all too soon, and you feel alone, I want you to know you are not alone, God is right there with you. You feel alone as you try to wade through the paperwork and figure out what's next after you lost your job, perhaps unfairly, I want you to know you are not alone, God is right there. David was a devout follower of God, and he was facing intense persecution. The style of this psalm is is one of lament. (laughs) It almost kind of reminds me a little bit of the the hee-haw song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. David is singing this song from his prison cell, his cave, where he is hiding from, I believe he's hiding from King Saul, and he is facing what could be certain death, and he has no one with whom to share his gloom and his agony. He should be celebrated and, and revered by all the people, and instead he is all alone, and he's singing the blues. This song of, psalm of lament ascribed to David um, he, he, there were a couple of times in his life in which he fled from King Saul and had to stay in caves, and one of those was in Adullam. Listen to First Samuel chapter two, verses one or twenty-two, verses one and two. First Samuel twenty-two, verses one and two. It says, "David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam." And when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in his soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. This story has a happy ending. But before we can see the the, the beauty of God's presence and of David overcoming the loneliness, we have to kind of get through this valley of despair with him. Um, There he is, hiding in a cave, fearing certain death. It'd be a lonely place to be. The first thing that he says in those four verses of Psalm 142 is how he cried out aloud to the Lord. For crying out loud. <laughs> Ever heard that expression? I'm from southern Indiana and we say that a lot. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, there is a time to cry out loud. And maybe sometimes we need to cry out loud more often than we do. But we, we internalize things and we, we harbor our, our fears and our, our confusion. And I want you to know Satan loves that and he thrives on it. He wants you to go into isolation when you need community the most. He wants you to turn from God and to hide from God when God is the very one who can rescue you and bring healing to your hurting heart. Because nothing works better for Satan than if he can just pull you away from your support system, especially the best support there is, and that's Almighty God and the power of His Holy Spirit in your life. There are benefits to praying out loud to God, I believe. That was kind of one of my takeaways as I studied for today's message is I thought about the benefits of praying out loud to God. God knows your thoughts before you pray, but we should still pray, right? And if there's benefits to closing your eyes, bowing your head and praying, even though God already knows your thoughts, then I have to think that there's benefits to praying out loud, even though God can hear your prayers if your lips aren't even moving praying out loud in our private places, is a reminder to ourselves that we are being heard. (laughs) I get to thinking about that. I spend a lot of time alone in my car. I'm driving down I-74, do that five or six times, seven times a week, spend about 40 minutes alone in the car, sometimes I jam out to some of my favorite kinds of music, sometimes I listen to a podcast, and sometimes I probably just need to be quiet. And spend some time alone with God. And sometimes there seems to me to be a time in which in that alone environment, I should speak out loud to God. Hey, the people driving uh, down the road beside you, they're not going to think you're crazy. They'll just think you have Bluetooth. (laughs) And you kind of do, spiritually speaking. But when you are alone and you're praying and you pray out loud to God, again, you're communicating to God that you are being heard, right? You're not crazy. You're not out of your mind. There is a real God who is hearing every word that you say. And just because he can hear every word you say without speaking out loud doesn't mean we shouldn't speak out loud because I believe it's a great discipline to do so because we are communicating we know we're being heard, that someone is there, that we are never alone. We would sometimes have what was called a concert of prayer when I was in Bible college. Our Wednesday night worship service, sometimes instead of having a speaker come in and a, a list of praise songs, they would arrange chairs in circles all over the gymnasium. And basically, you would come in, you'd find a circle, you would sit down, and people within the groups, as they felt led to do, they would just up and pray out loud to God. And it was amazing to me that I could focus on the prayers within my circle, hear every word, think about them, join in, be a part of what was being said to God, while at the same time hearing the background sounds of all. All the other prayers in the rooms being prayed that may sound chaotic but it was very meaningful a reminder that we have a god that hears all those prayers and it is a beautiful sound to him cry out loud the next thing he says is he he raises his voice to the lord for mercy (laughs) he lifts his voice he dares to shout toward almighty god about what's going on in his life. I mean, don't you shout to someone when you're in times of intensity? If someone is in a swimming pool and that person is going under the water and that person's drowning and you see the lifeguard, you don't wait your turn and say, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you remember me? Might be somebody having a little bit of trouble here. No, you go, lifeguard! If you see a fire, you yell, fire! Right? You get excited about it and you lift your voice when you need mercy. Be passionate in your prayers to the Father. Sometimes when we pray, we feel the need to become more eloquent or structured than we would normally be when we speak to a real person. Unnecessarily, we feel that way. God is real and he hears us and we should be real before him. You ever hear a teacher or a parent say to a kid, use your real voice. Use your real voice. Because sometimes we like to mask our hurt. And we raise our voice and we talk like somebody else. Even though, and, and what we're doing subconsciously in that moment is we are trying to mask ourselves and take on this, this character that is not our own. But we should be real before our Holy Father. God is real. And while we should be reverent before Him, we should also be who we are. <laughs> Transparent. The best prayers are sincere, simple, and oftentimes short. <laughs> it's communication from a child to a father. There's a time to raise your voice in prayer to the Lord. You are never alone, and when you feel alone, maybe you should raise your voice to the Lord in demonstration to God and to yourself that you know that you're not Alone. He says he pours out his complaint. <laughs> oh, who are we to complain, right? I mean, from a perspective standpoint, no matter how bad off things seem to be, you can always find somebody who's worse off. You can always count your blessings. You can always look for the silver lining. True. But if there is a hurt in your heart and you're pretending like there isn't, you're not being honest with God, you're not trusting Him. You're playing God yourself because he can't handle your kinds of concerns, perhaps, is the mentality. But if you truly trust God, nothing is too big and nothing is too small that you cannot take to him. You can pour out your complaint to the Lord. Father God, to be quite honest, I am not happy right now. And you fill in the blank as to why. F.F. F. Bruce captioned this section of his commentary, nobody cares. That was David's Complaint to the Lord, look to my right and see. No one cares. Perhaps there is a spiritual benefit to loneliness. Where there seems to be no one else, when there seems to be no one else in your life, you realize there is God and you are not alone. But sometimes you have to be completely alone of anyone else here on earth to realize that you're not alone, that God is there. God has not called us into lives of solitude we, we see the benefits of companionship and community throughout the Bible, but sometimes we need to get away and we need to be alone with God because in that time of loneliness, we realize we're not alone. And you can't realize sometimes that you're not alone until you're alone and God is there. And God shows up in big and powerful ways. Our lives are so busy today. We are on fast-forward I feel like George Jetson sometime on the, sometimes on the treadmill went to you know, scream out, Jane, get me off this crazy thing. <laughs> is, is that the way li- life is for you? Is the silence filled with, 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 with music or entertainment every second of the day? Is it go from meetings to meetings to meetings, never really taking the time to celebrate the good things that are happening or to voice to God your complaint? God is very real. And we discover his reality best when we get real with him. Our outcry, our pouring out of complaints is a catalyst for grasping his reality in our lives. God does not waste a hurt. And when we get real with God, he becomes real to us. I like to study sometimes in coffee shops and places like that. And you'll see the best of friendships in those places. Two people have found some time in their calendar. They've scheduled a a meeting with one another. They'll say, I'll see you at such and such a coffee shop at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon, what have you. And they'll come there and and they'll sit at the table. And you kind of you get to see that that greeting, that embrace. Hey, how have you been? And they hug each other and they take off their coats and they get their coffee and they sit down and they begin to talk. And you can kind of tell that the conversation is intense. And a person will kind of raise their voice as they talk about what they told their boss or, or what they told their child's school teacher or their school teacher told the, the t- school teacher tells a school teacher friend about a parent that they've dealt with. And I mean, and, and you just see that there's this incredible ministry going on with each other. Why? Because they trust each other. And they're transparent with each other. And they're sharing their feelings with one another. And they're not holding anything back because they know this is my safe place. This is my. My confidant. And God is the best friend that you could ever possibly have for pouring out your complaint to. He will not go and blab it all over the community. (laughs) He is sovereign. He can do something about it. The psalmist says that God never sleeps nor slumbers. 24-7, God is awake and alert and listening and caring. The enemy has set a snare for the psalmist, a trap. And the psalmist has stepped into it and it has clamped down on him and he feels like he can't get away and no one is around him to help him. I picture one of those traps, you know, it's hinged back and got the sharp teeth on it and and the psalmist is running through this path. The enemy knows the path where he goes and as he steps on it... It locks down on him, and it's painful, and he can't get away from it, and he's desperately trying to get away from this. His enemy has hidden this snare for him. And in that anguish and desperation, he's crying out to God. And he's telling God his trouble. Verse 4 says, no one's concerned about me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. David is saying to God, I'm all alone in this battle. And God has a way of letting us vent, share our frustrations, and when we finish, he reminds us, are you alone? <laughs> have I left you? You know, sometimes we don't feel as close to God as we used to be, or as close to God as we should be, but when those times happen, understand it is us who have drifted. God has not from us and sometimes and I say it too I'll say boy God really showed up (laughs) no no he didn't he was already there we showed up (laughs) God's been there all along and maybe we're the ones that need to to do the the showing up to him the defense counsel always stood to the right of the accused in a courtroom and David says look to my right and see no one is there as he's there in the cave and he's facing certain death and his life is, is just come to such incredible loneliness and he's feeling abandoned and he's not with God's people singing praises like he would like to be. He doesn't have a gathering, a following around him. Look to my right and see, no one is there. I have no defense. I'm representing myself and I'm losing. It was also the practice of soldiers to keep their weapons, their sword or their spear, in their right hand and their shield in their left hand. And as they stood side by side, their shields would be used to protect the right sides of the person standing to their left. David didn't have anyone protecting his right side. No shield, or so he felt. Your greatest ally, though, never leaves you. You are... Never alone. When you're born again into Jesus Christ, you receive the best gift you could ever receive. Oh, sure, you may have loved ones or friends who will give you maybe a necklace to wear or a a nice card with a bookmark in it or or maybe a new Bible with your name printed on it. And those things are wonderful and we treasure those uh, all of our, our lives. But the greatest gift that is given at the time that you become a follower of Christ is the filling of His Holy Spirit that you receive his Holy Spirit as an indwelling gift and you are never alone. David's plea to God is a passionate cry. He promises him that if he is rescued, he will praise him among the people. With Jesus comes the compassion, the companionship, not only of God, but of God's family. Isn't that wonderful? We're not alone. We have... God who never leaves us, and because of Jesus as our our great friend, our, our brother, so to speak, and that he allows us to call his father our father, you get to be a part of his family, the family of God. And I don't know how people who have no church family endure hard times. Blows my mind. I mean, when you go through a hard time and you start to count your non-blessings, and you start to consider your suffering, and you realize how you feel, and then all of a sudden you realize that in the midst of the suffering, you are blessed because there's a church family, there's a growth group, there is an accountability group that is bringing you meals to your home, that is sending you cards, that is sending you flowers, and, and encouraging you, and you realize that you're not alone, and then you question, how do people who don't know the Lord get through it? How do you do it? Without a church family, and, and it's not just the hard times; it's the good times too, <laughs> because a church can celebrate big, right? And we can get all excited. I got to tell you, I I love receiving the the Lebanon Reporter, or looking on Facebook, and I I'm I'm you know, whatever you call it, friends or whatever with Twitter, with all of the different kinds of, of clubs and sports at, at Western Boone, and I get to see all of the accomplishments. And every time that a, a kid or a student from our church does something big and they're recognized for it, I feel like it's, you know, it's part of my family. Yeah, that's one of ours, I'll say. Because I, I celebrate big with the people that are part of this church. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I want to be that for you. And I want to I laugh when you laugh. And I want to cry when you cry. And I want to I be able to, to put an arm around you when, when you're feeling lonely and have you do the same for, for me. We are never alone. And if the whole world turns their backs on us, God never will. He is the perfect friend. We are never alone and he is the perfect friend. Psalm 142 verses 5 through 7 says this. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name, and then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. The first thing that he says God will do. He will listen. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know not just that someone will listen, but the God of all creation will listen to you and to me. An audience with the one who matters more than any king or any president or any ruler this world has ever known will clear his schedule and listen to you. And give you his undivided attention and listen to you. That is one of the things people value the most today. Is someone who will listen. I think that's one of the things that children are are missing and need so much today. Is they need someone, an adult in their lives, who will love them unconditionally. And will listen to them. And not judge them. And not butt in and not offer a whole bunch of advice. But just someone who will listen to their hurts and their their problems. And we have a God who listens. Prayer changes things, and it begins with our state of mind. The psalmist had been depressed and frustrated, and in seven short verses, he takes us through the journey of his mindset. He bounces back up in the last three verses and shares his positive hope with us. He demonstrates a healthy trust in the God who listens. God doesn't just listen but he rescues. The word refuge here might be best translated escape. God is our escape. He's the one who frees us from the prison of the cave of isolation. And God is not only our hiding place, but he is our escape and he rescues us. I wonder how many people today might be thinking to themselves that they, they need rescued. They need a way out of the bondage that they are in. Maybe it's the trap of sin and despair because they're trying to set themselves free rather than calling out to God to be the rescuer. He can set you free. He listens, he rescues, and he frees us. The reference to a prison for David represented an actual confinement or a state of distress, but do you ever feel... Like you're in a very real prison in the midst of your seemingly freedom. A number of things cause us to feel shackled. Addiction, debt, an occupation that doesn't utilize your gifts and talents, unresolved family conflict, the guilt or shame of sin that you've not let him wash clean for you. Are you like David? Are you needing set free today? You see, the psalmist was being imprisoned by his enemies, but you might be feeling just as trapped today by your circumstances, and the same God who set the psalmist free can set you free as well. If you believe he's real, and he is, then maybe you are the warden of your own imprisonment. You need to do some crying out to God today. You need to ask him to set you free. Because he listens, he rescues, and he frees us. And finally, he is good to us. I mean, he really is. I had to read this uh, psalm several times through, and in fact, I've had it memorized in the past. And that seventh verse says, you know, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I used to read that and think, okay, because God is good to us, people will want to just gather around us. And David is like, no, people will gather around him because of God's goodness. It is God who is good to us. The praise that the psalmist describes points to a group praise. And he sees himself no longer alone, but in his freedom, he is surrounded by the righteous in praise. What's the purpose of your suffering? or your imprisonment, your loneliness. Better question still, what is the purpose of your rescue, your freedom? When God sets you free, for a pur- there is a purpose for it. What is that purpose? Oh, if we had the time to go around the room today and let each person tell their testimony, and you told about your rock-bottom moment and how God brought you through it, how God set you free, it would be so good to be able to say, okay, great, what are you doing with it? What is your call? What is your God-given shape that he has given you to shine forth for his kingdom, to use your imprisoned cave experience for his glory? How can God use it? Someone said, God never wastes a hurt. Parents of adult children seem to love getting the whole family together more than anything else. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody has a 90th birthday or a 50th or a 60th wedding anniversary. And the the real home run, the real jackpot is if you can get everybody together. Because that's what grandma or great-grandpa loves, right? They love when the whole family kind of comes together. There are a number of ways that we can worship and praise the Lord. We give sacrificial gifts to the Lord Say, I love my, my silver and gold, but I love you more. And that's, that's, we lift up our voices in praise to the Lord. And, and sometimes even if we're able, you know, our posture, our physical posture, we get on our knees before the Lord, we bow before him That's an act of worship. We serve others in the name of Jesus, and that is an act of worship. And that, that's great. But have you ever thought about our fellowship as an act of worship? I love to hear the chatter when you walk into a room, a reception area. Maybe it's a crowded area, there's punch, there's cake, there's, you know, the little bowl of mixed nuts, there's those fancy mints that I love. <laughs> and when you open the door, you hear all this, and, and you look over in the court, and the guest of honor is beaming, because this is her family. These are her peeps. <laughs> and they've all come together in honor. her. And the sound of that fellowship is, a, it, it is an honor to that, that person. When we praise the Lord together, even, even in the laughter in the lobby, the Lord is being praised. And when we, when we dine together and we go out to lunch together, the Lord is being praised because God loves to see his people, his family come together. Why wouldn't he? The Bible's full of banquets and feasts. <laughs> and I think it's important to note that uh, after the resurrection, Jesus had a fish fry. For breakfast with the disciples. <laughs> yeah. God inhabits the praise of his people. And for David, when he was set free, the righteous gathered around him again, and there was great praise. I should have ended with uh, the First Samuel 22 passage. Reflect back on those first two verses of First Samuel 22 and listen to the happy ending of this, of this story of how there was praise to the Lord. In Psalm 6, verses 25 through 34, Jesus addresses the issue of worry. You know, worry is a sin. We don't talk about worry when we we hear, you know, the preacher preached on sin this this weekend. And and we we don't think about, we think about murder, we think about adultery, we think about things like that. But we seldom think about things like gossip or worry, right? Do you know worry is a sin? Nothing seems to be a bigger pet peeve of, of the Lord than pride. If you have, you know, pride... Is it, it just in the, it goes up against the face of the Lord. He, de, he detests pride. And worry is a form of pride because we want to keep our worries, be the boss of our own lives, be the one in the driver's seat. It's humbling to scoot over and to let God be not your co-pilot, but your pilot. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Someone has said, worry is a lot like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it, it won't get you anywhere. You are never alone because you have the perfect friend, Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for being our perfect friend. We thank you for your consistency that you don't ever leave us. And God, whenever we do feel alone or abandoned, I pray for each one of us, God, that we will remember your presence and that you will be to us as real as if we could see you with our physical eyes. Lord, I pray that you will continue, uh, Lord, to be worshiped and praised by this church until your son comes again. May we never lose sight of worshiping you together. And God, I pray that even in this moment, Lord, as we continue to sing and as we invite you to do a great work in each one of our individual hearts, God, I pray you'd have your way. I pray, Lord, for every man, woman, boy or child, girl or teenager here today or young adult who needs to invite you into the cave, into their prison, to set them free. Have your way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.